Part three, chapter ten of The Secret City. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Part three, Markovitch and Semyonov. Chapter ten. But the adventures of that Easter Monday night were not yet over. I had walked away with Bohun. He was very silent, depressed, poor boy, and shy with the reaction of his outburst. I made the most awful fool of myself, he said. No, you didn't, I answered. The trouble of it is, he said slowly, that neither you nor I see the humorous side of it all strongly enough. We take it too seriously. It's got a funny side, all right. Maybe you're right, I said. But you must remember that the Markovitch situation isn't exactly funny just now, and we're both in the middle of it. Oh, if only I could find Nina back home and see Yemenov away, I believe the strain would lift. But I'm frightened that something's going to happen. I've grown very fond of these people, you know, Bohan. Vera and Nina and Nicholas. Isn't it odd how one gets to love Russians more than one's own people? The more stupid things they do, the more you love them. Whereas with one's own people, it's quite the other way. Oh, I do want Vera and Nina and Nicholas to be happy. Isn't the town queer tonight? said Bohun, suddenly stopping. We were just at the entrance to the Marinsky Square. Yes, I said. I think these days between the thaw and the white nights are in some ways the strangest of all. There seems to be so much going on that one can't quite see. Yes, over there, at the other end of the square. There's a kind of mist, a sort of water mist. It comes from the canal. And do you see a figure like an old bent man with a red lantern? Do you see what I mean, that red light? And those shadows on the farther wall like riders passing with silver-tipped spears. Isn't it? There they go. Ten, eleven... Twelve, thirteen. How still the square is. Do you see those three windows all alight? Isn't there a dance going on? Don't you hear the music? No, it's the wind. No, surely, that's a flute, and then violins. Listen, those are fiddles for certain. How still, how still it is. We stood and listened whilst the white mist gathered and grew over the cobbles. Certainly there was a strain of music, very faint and dim, threading through the air. Well, I must go on, said Bohun. You go up to the left, don't you? Good night. I watched Bohun's figure cross the square. The light was wonderful, like fold on fold of gauze, but opaque, so that buildings showed with sharp outline behind it. The moon was full and quite red. I turned to go home and ran straight into Lawrence. "'Good heavens!' I cried. "'Are you a ghost, too?' He didn't seem to feel any surprise at meeting me. He was plainly in a state of tremendous excitement. He spoke breathlessly. "'You're exactly the man. You must come back with me. My diggings now are only a yard away from here.' "'It's very late,' I began, and—' "'Things are desperate,' he said. "'I don't know—' he broke off. Oh, come and help me, Durward, for God's sake. I went with him, 
and we did not exchange another word until we were in his rooms. He began hurriedly taking off his clothes. There, sit on the bed. Different from Winderling's, isn't it? Poor devil, I'm going to have a bath if you don't mind. I've got to clear my head. He dragged out a tin bath from under his bed, then a big can of water from a corner. Stripped, he looked so thick and so strong, with his short neck and his bulldog build, that I couldn't help saying, You don't look a day older than the last time you played rugger for Cambridge. I am, though. He sluiced the cold water over his head, grunting. Not near so fit, getting fat, too. Rugger days are over. Wish all my other days were over, too. He got out of the bath, wiped himself, put on pajamas, brushed his teeth, then his hair, took out a pipe, and then sat beside me on the bed. Look here, Durward, he said. I'm desperate, old man. We're all in a hell of a mess. I know, I said. He puffed furiously at his pipe. You know, if I'm not careful, I shall go a bit queer in the head. Get so angry, you know, he added simply. Angry with whom, I asked. With myself, mostly, for being such a bloody fool. But not only myself. With civilization, Derwid, old cock. And also with that swine, Samanyoff. Ah, uh, I thought you'd come to him, I said. Now the points are these, he went on, counting on his thick, stubbly fingers. First, I love Vera, and when I say love, I mean love. Never been in love before, you know, honest injun. Never. Never had affairs with the tobacconist's daughters at Cambridge. Never had an affair with a woman in my life. No, never. Used to wonder what was the matter with me, why I wasn't like other chaps. Now I know. I was waiting for Vera. Quite simple. I shall never love anyone again. Never. I'm not a kid, you know, like a young bohun. I love Vera once and for all, and that's that. Yes, I said. And the next point? The next point is that Vera loves me. No need to go into that, but she does. Yes, she does, I said. Third point, she's married, and although she doesn't love her man, she's sorry for him. Fourth point, he loves her. Fifth point, there's a damned swine hanging around called Alexei Petrovich Semyonov. Well then, there you have it. He considered, scratching his head. I waited, then he went on. Now it would be simpler if she didn't want to be kind to Nicholas, if Nicholas didn't love her, if a thousand things were different. But they must be as they are, I suppose. I've just been with her. She's nearly out of her mind with worry. He paused, puffing furiously at his pipe. Then he went on. She's worrying about me, about Nina, and about Nicholas. And especially about Nicholas. There's something wrong with him. He knows about my kissing her in the flat. Well, that's all right. I meant him to know. Everything's just got to be above board. But Semyonov knows too, and that devil's been ragging him about it. And Nicholas is just like a bloomin' kid. That's got to stop. I'll wring that feather's neck. But even that wouldn't help matters much. Vera says Nicholas is not to be hurt, whatever happens. Never mind us, she says. We're strong and can stand it. But he can't. He's weak. 
and she says he's just going off his dot and it's got to be stopped it just got to be stopped there's only one way to stop it he stayed suddenly he put his heavy hand on my knee what do you mean i asked i've got to clear out that's what i mean right away out back to england i didn't speak that's it he went on but now as though he were talking to himself that's what you've got to do old son she says so and she's right can't alter love you know nothing changes that we've got to hold on ought to have cleared out before suddenly he turned he almost flung himself upon me he gripped my arms so that i would have cried out if the agony in his eyes hadn't held me here he muttered let me alone for a moment i must hold on i'm pretty well beat i'm just about done for what seemed hours we sat there i believe it was in reality only a few minutes he sat facing me his eyes staring at me but not seeing me his body close against me and i could see the sweat glistening on his chest through the open pajamas he was rigid as though he had been struck into stone he suddenly relaxed that's right he said thanks old man i'm better now it's a bit late i expect but stay on a while he got into bed i sat beside him gripped his hand and ten minutes later he was asleep End of chapter 10